two, one. Stop a heart that breaks for a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> Is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. No government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is king of kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. I didn't start, but sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start. Right When the spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered. You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Water Boy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox. <laughs> Woo! Y'all sound yes. rowdy out there. That's yes. what I'm talking about. Welcome to Cross Politic Live at the first annual Fight, Laugh, Feast Conference in Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? That's right. Why not start this live show off with not having an extra chair for Joseph Spurgeon? <laughs> or a microphone. So the patriarchy needs a chair. No. No, no. He's got Thank a sandwich, though. There you go. No, he did not bring a sandwich. Yes, we did. No, no, he, no, he did not. Joseph's going to eat the sandwich while Tony holds the mic for a minute? Uh, no, I got my own. I got my own. You got wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. What, what's on your sandwich? Uh, grilled cheese. That's about all they had here. Your wife didn't make that no, sandwich. No for tofu? You, <laughs> mine did. Mine, mine drove it all the way here. Just, really. Yeah, I'm she serious. Milked the cow. She milked, yeah, she milked the cow, churned all the, the cheese, and she made the bread. So we're good. Wow. She's an awesome wife. We're going to have to talk Love to you. Love you, honey. Later. Yeah, we're going to. Yep. It probably came out skim milk knowing them, you know? I don't know what that means, but okay. What? <laughs> Ouch, man. I don't know. It says fight in the name. But. So, so things like that. real quick, we're going to uh, kind of tell a little bit of the background of CrossPolitik, why we got into the network. That'll bring everybody into this. And then we got some more things moving forward, hopefully. Um, I know some of you guys are newer. I've actually talked to a lot of new people who are kind of uh, you know, new to what we're doing, new to the network, even new to CrossPolitik and everything. So we thought we'd kind of back up four years, four and a half years. Do we have to? Uh, we <laughs> I feel like it's a good thing to do on our first, okay. you know, Create. at our first conference. Oh, okay. Yeah. Create! I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that stinger. And uh, back, so one of the reasons why we started CrossPolitik back in 2016 was because we wanted to specifically declare Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, into the politics. We felt that the um, church had dropped that ball for, for decades, uh, arguably even, you know, a century and a half. And uh, I remember in 2015, me and Knox, uh, before CrossPolitik really went anywhere, right. me and Knox, I, I scored an interview with uh, Ted Cruz and Ben Carson when they were campaigning for uh, the presidential election in 2000 and, uh, January, no, no, excuse me, November of 2015. And Ben Carson at that time was number one, I think, yeah, when, he we, was, when he, we went down yeah, to... He was leading. We went down to Wyoming. Darren Doan funded our trip. We had no money. He funded our trip down to Wyoming to interview Ted Cruz and Ben Carson. And uh, that was kind of the, I think, the first moment of, of me and Knox doing something together. It was, you it was, felt something special in that I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I I was, and, you, and you didn't even I invite me. I was like, man. Me. You didn't even invite me. 
No, no, no. You weren't even on our radar. I you weren't even on my radar yet. That's right. Your radar. I was just your pastor. I, I had. Uh, uh, no, not then. You were at Trinity. <laughs> okay. Okay, I win. And in 2015, I started getting, you know, I've had desires, ministry desires for, for a long time. I went to Grayfriars Hall and been involved as deacon at our church and, and uh, was involved in our college ministry at University of Idaho. And, uh, you know, I'd been in the workforce for 12 years working at an economic firm and just, you know, kept wanting to, I had this desire to kept going over there. I didn't even quite even know where that tug was leading me and everything. And, and then I, I kind of looked at my church and said, okay, what is, what is, what are people doing in my church? What is something that's going, that's not going on in our church that maybe I have some gifts that I could um, put energies towards? We have a great pastoral ministry. We got great preaching, great blogging, you know, great book ministry. And uh, so I was, I didn't quite know where I would fit. I, you know, I, why do something that someone else is already doing really well at, you know, uh, kind of thing. And so I looked at, I scanned our church and I realized like no one's doing radio. I started off with radio. I mean, how lame is that? You know, I started off thinking, really radio. Lame. You got something for me, Keith? <laughs> hey, we'll talk about you later. When Gabe got arrested, you were standing right there. So we're going to talk were, about that. You were circle key. I got on the dot. You. Uh, he was on the dot. Circle key. He, he was, was social distancing well, on Gabe's the dot. Mom, Gabe's mom was crying on my shoulder. My baby's going to jail. My baby's going to jail. And, and you were supposed so, to say, don't so, worry, Mrs. So Rich. I, I got your baby. I was comforting Gabe's mom. That's why I was standing on a dot. Two of us couldn't go down. Oh, okay. so that's why I was comforting her. You've been working on that because you knew I was coming for you. <laughs> he had to bring my mom into it. <laughs> I see that. Just to hide behind the women. I see what you're doing. I, I've, been, I've been made fun of. I've been made fun of for a week and a half for saying on that dot. I, like, I'm Circle Keith. I'm Beta Keith. I like so. Keith's yeah. like the next song. The worst scene. move in history was me standing. <laughs> but I was standing on it when I arrived. Like, I, and then I, I felt like I can't get off of it because then I felt like I would have been like allowing them to dictate what I was doing. But the thing was, like, like oh, who was dictating what you were doing? Were on no, the dust. Let's move on. Let's move right. on. No, no, no. I got to finish right. this. I'll let you go in a second. I, I'm going to let you finish. But <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, you open there preaching and all, Keith. So, you know, you know how to handle police. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Well, I've been arrested preaching. So, right, right. Yeah, so, this ain't nothing new to you. What's this? This ain't nothing new to you. You're yeah, a gangster. This is, not, this is something new. No, okay, and I wish okay. I had a community like y'all backing me. Because, like, where, uh, Sean, when he, like, we're buying him drinks when he got out. You know what I mean? I, I just had a long drive with my mom. Like, why would, what were you doing wrong? I was like, mom, I wasn't doing anything wrong. She's like, but they wouldn't have arrested you if you weren't doing anything wrong. And so, so I got home, I got blamed, whereas Sean's getting drinks bought for him. Now, now you know how it feels to be black. If you're going to get arrested, saying. if you're going to get arrested, get arrested in Moscow, Idaho with this community because they're all going to come out and rejoice hey. with you. So. Oh, amen. Amen. All right, so uh, I started actually applying to radio stations by myself, my, my, my show title, because I had nothing better at the time. I wasn't, I'm, I'm not a very creative guy. I think I've gotten lucky on some of the things that we've created. But um, uh, it was the, Rust, the, the, the Rusty Wrench show. And for some Fantastic. reason, nobody yeah. wanted to listen to Sh- shouldn't, it. Shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't it have been, it's good to be a tool? You know? It, it's it, good it, to be a tool? It was my dad's, <laughs> it's my dad's old nickname, so I was like, well, Rusty Wrench, you know? Uh, and, and so I applied to some radio stations and the tagline was, you know, Jesus is Lord overall. And I'd call Subtle. the radio stations up still. <laughs> yeah, hadn't changed. Called the radio stations up and said, Hey, I'm, I'm interested in filling an hour slot. Would you give it to me? And they're like, Oh yeah, we got all, we got all sorts of slots open. And then I'd send in my, my application and I wouldn't hear anything from them. Crickets. And these are local radio stations, you know, some nonprofits, some, uh, University of Idaho radio station, that kind of thing. And, uh, so I got nowhere all crickets from them. There's about three or four radio stations that were excited when I called them. 
and then silence after they saw my. I think it's because you had. You have a face for radio. I think it was because you hadn't learned. Apology. You hadn't listened to David Bonson's talk about subversiveness yet. Yeah. You didn't right. know. You didn't know about that. Yeah. No, I didn't. There's nothing. There's nothing about you that sub- <laughs> <laughs> You can see me coming a mile away. I mean. <laughs> so in uh, 2006, so uh, after getting all the silence from radio stations, I said, "Well, you know, I could I could start a podcast. Uh, I can, you know, basically do that from anywhere. It's a, it's you know, as we've." kind of framed it on our show it's kind of Gutenberg 2.0 kind of technology uh, and you can't it's not being canceled right now and so I looked into starting a podcast I found a couple good podcasts I was like okay I I can I can see that there's a good format here there's Apologia was was really one of the uh, premier good examples of of what I saw and I was like okay that that that's that's attractive that can be done well and then uh, that fall, January, that winter, January 16, 2016, uh, uh, February, actually uh, it was still the Red, Rusty Wrench podcast. I hadn't grabbed anybody else yet. I, I interviewed Chief Justice Roy Moore before he got defrocked um, in, two, in January 2016. It was a great interview. We never went live with it. Um, I interviewed Carol Swain. I interviewed a number of people all by myself. And after a, a couple interviews, I was like, man, I cannot do this well by myself. And so that's what got me into grabbing Toby first. And I, I pulled Toby in, uh, I, I think it was just in passing. This is how easy it was for Toby to say yes. He doesn't remember it this way, but this is how it went. And I said, hey, Toby, I'm going to start a podcast. You want to join me? And he said, yes. That's how I remember it. Okay. All right. We were at Bo- I, I think it was Boozers. And you're like, man, I'm a sucker for that. I'll do it. Yeah. I didn't know what a podcast was. <laughs> I was like, sure. Message. Yeah. And, and you guys probably, some of you probably heard this story a little bit before, but it took me and Toby about four months to wrap uh, Knox into it. Knox was about a year and a half into our community. I think, you know, maybe two years new yeah, to our community. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know that David had produced The Wretched before. Right. Um, I didn't know all David's experience and everything. And I went up and asked him, hey, man, why don't you join our podcast? And he was like, no. Because uh, he, he apparently knew how much work it took to be a good show and to get somewhere in this business. And he wasn't a- paying. He didn't say, hey, man, let me pay you. To-. He didn't say none of that. <laughs> he like, hey, you want to do a podcast? And it was like, where's the money offer at? You didn't offer me no money, so. Because I wanted you to be a host? Yeah, 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 no, you still wanted, I still wanted a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> so what we did was, so we went through actually a number of people and asked, invited a number of people to join us on the podcast and, and, uh, uh, everyone turned me and Toby down for some reason. <laughs> and so what we did after, we, we circled back around to David. Such a dirty move. We, it, was a, it was a dirty move. We called him into Pastor Toby's office. Now, if you guys know the black church and, and the, the respect that the black church has for the pastor's office. That was, that was so racist, man. Yeah. It's not racist. Bro, it's real. That was wrong. They bring me in the office. I kind of knew what was going on. And Pastor Toby was, had his collar on. And, Come on, sit down right here. I, oh, man. <laughs> so wrong. He, he brought his, his, you know, he's dabbing his head <laughs> and everything. So we start uh, talking uh, to Knox. And uh, we're bringing him also in because we need to help with technology. We didn't know anything about recording. Well, we actually, yeah, we, we, had, we talked about, let's just see if he, he had a studio. Yeah. And we were also realizing that, I was realizing that Gabe did not know how to do the technical side of things. If you know Gabe, I mean, God, God has blessed us immensely through the work of Gabe. 
Yeah. But everything is basically made out of duct tape. Yeah. And, it's true. And, and, and God can bless duct tape. He has. And he, he has. has blessed it a lot. But I was thinking maybe we need to upgrade our duct tape. <laughs> and so I said, let's just go back to Knox and see if he would let us, like, maybe use his studio a little bit. And that's all we were asking, man. No, you weren't. No, come on. No, that. <laughs> I kind of, so I, this is the part where I kind of knew what was going on. And I talked to my wife ahead of time and said, babe, I think Gabe's going to try and rope me in because he got Pastor Toby now. And they're trying to have a meeting. And I think they're using this kind of, can we use your studio? And they're going to leave me with the work. The second part is true. Uh, <laughs> and so I said, hey, what do you think if, if this turns out well, what do you think about me doing something like this? She said, I think this would be great if you did something like this. So I kind of went in there interviewing them at the same time. So I didn't know that much. And we sat there. Oh, so you were playing us. Yes. Yes. Like you said, Gabe said it. I saw him coming a mile away. So, <laughs> and so we sat there and talked for like 45 minutes. And I remember thinking to myself, if we can do a show like this, I would be interested in doing that. And that was the moment where I was like, you know what, I'm in. Let's do it. I think it's important to note that in order to do a good podcast, it's not just you and your friends like to talk about something. It has to be entertaining. And David knew that. And that's why he did that interview. And he said, there's chemistry here. There's something here. There's differences between each of the hosts that play off well. And that's why it's not just we're just going to sit in front of a mic and, and just talk for an hour. Like we're doing now. I thought right. that's what we did. <laughs> yeah. And here I thought that's all we were doing. <laughs> what are you saying, Marcus? <laughs> but anyway, but I, I think you see the difference that actually producing that show really makes a huge impact. And, and it's look, look at what it's built. And we launched our first podcast. So David, David agreed. He actually left the office. Um, you know, convicted. And or under church discipline if I didn't do it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. It could go either way. <laughs> and No pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. David leaves, and I'll, I'll never forget the best call of my life was like 10 minutes. David's like, I got to talk to my wife. And 10 minutes later, I'm in the car driving away, and David's like, I'm in. And I was like, good, because if you weren't in, I was going to quit. Because <laughs> I couldn't do this with Toby. And uh, so David said, I'm in. And then we, that summer, I mean, you know, I mean, we deleted our first, what, four or five episodes. Yeah, we, we, worked, we worked real hard to launch our first couple episodes. Whenever someone comes to us and says, hey, I want to start a podcast, I say, you know, do five episodes, delete it, and then send us five new episodes. And it, it really is a great practice. We, Unless you're we, A.D. Robles and you got like 90 already in the can. Yeah, 80. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 80's like, I'm OG. We, we still told him to delete his first five. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to come back on him. And, and so we launched our first episode in the end of September, four years ago. So end of September, four years ago. And, uh, you know, we got, uh, I think, decent growth for what we felt like was really good back then. Uh, I think it was by the end of January, we were getting 600 downloads uh, a week or yeah. something like that, yeah. you know, kind of thing. So within three or four from. months, we, we were already getting a decent traction. And as you guys heard the numbers yesterday, I mean, we'll, we'll crest as a network, we'll crest over 4 million downloads this year by the grace of God. Praise and that's God. just, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. 
and, and as, as God was blessing our, our, what we were doing, we said, you know, um, I think it was I said, we should start a podcast network. And like all of us, me and Tope, nah, Gabe, nah. All the ideas that Gabe has, we say no at first. Yeah. I'm it's, like it's that. Just, it's just standard now. Gabe says, I have an idea. And Knox and I look at each other and be like, no. no. They don't even hear it. They don't even hear it. No. But, but I'm like that puppy dog that's been kicked so many times, it doesn't even, it, I don't even know it. You know? I don't even... <laughs> I don't think I don't even feel Peace like, in the heart of Texas. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think yeah. I don't think puppy dog is the word. It's not it's not puppy dog. It's not a puppy dog. <laughs> a fierce puppy dog. Maybe that's what it is. And uh, Matt Williams. Yeah. So I met Matt back in 2008 on a business trip in California. I was working for my previous yep Cali. Where are my commies at? There we go. Yeah, where y'all at? <laughs> Where y'all at? Where the commies at? They're hiding. Okay. All right. <laughs> we met over in and out too. That's very California. <laughs> and so uh, I was at, I was going to, I was, I was staying over on sa- Saturday night on this business trip and I just walked to a church the next morning. It was the closest church to me. It was a Bible church and walked there and after church I met a guy and it turned out to be Matt's dad and I said, hey, uh, you know, you drive me back to my hotel and um, I'll buy everyone in and out burgers. Lord bless in and out. And so he said, why don't we go back to my house? My son will be there in a little bit. And his son went to Calvary Chapel. Back then, Matt has grown so much since I met him. <laughs> so Do you know, I don't think you know this. I think Matt became a Calvinist just recently. Like a day old? Yesterday. 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 Yeah, I said yesterday. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Look at God. I didn't want to tell anyone, though, David. Oh, I'm sorry. He's still working it out. <laughs> I have a brand. <laughs> I can't wait to see Cage Stage Matt. I know. We didn't, we didn't tell him about that part. <laughs> yeah, we didn't tell him. Hold on, bro. Don't tell him. Don't, don't say nothing. Right. Sorry, Gabe. Right, I won't tell him that. So when we went to kind of roll out the network concept, Matt was, I mean, Matt was kind of pushing us into it, too. Matt said, hey, I want to do a podcast, and, and I'd already talked to guys about doing network, and so Matt kind of really pushed us into it and said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'd love to do a business po- podcast with you guys, and, and that started. When did you start HTBT? Well... It was a little after my son was born, so two years ago. Two. Man, not even and, two years? And I just want to say, like, Matt has a great business mind because he was already helping us with cross-politics stuff before he ever started doing the podcast. That's right. So we had a right. relationship working there. And, and <laughs> I remember when Matt started, none of y'all liked him. I just want to <laughs> say that right now. Y'all didn't like Matt, but you love him now, though, don't you? Yeah, Matt, Matt has, Matt, <laughs> I remember Matt, Matt would come and he would be like, man, you know what? No one really likes my podcast. No one listens. I was like, dude, you're good. You're saying good things. Just keep working at it. Keep doing your show. And eventually we're going to force it on them until they like it. Cause we're Apple. I don't remember <laughs> that Apple. conversation at all. Yeah, that's what it was. It was like, you, you know, and eventually. Yeah. All the people were like, what's this new thing in my feed? Yes. That's not you guys. What is that? Yeah. Like, yeah, just listen a- to it. I was managing the social media at the time, helping you guys, and I was answering the questions of, who is this? Did you get hacked? What are they doing on this show? <laughs> and, and this was, are you guys okay? Are you arrested? And, and, and this was totally Knox's call on this. He, he's, I, I said, uh, we were talking about, should we tell people what's going on? And Knox said, no. That's right. Don't tell them, just do it to them. That's right. Yeah, I have a kind of a Henry Ford kind of attitude towards yeah. this. Yeah. If I ask people what they want, they would tell me faster horses. Yeah. Right? And so I'm going to build them a vehicle. So not all the time people, consumers know what it is that they really need. Right. And so, hopefully, go ahead, man. You... I was just going to say thank you for getting everyone to hate me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, hey, but everybody, you're going to make everybody money. But so now, they're going to love you at the end of it. But now they love you, right? Right. 
That's it. Now they love the numbers you. say so. <laughs> and another thing too is we wanted to, you know, we wanted to add more than just a political perspective. We were seeing that there were things inside of our environment that we were reaching that needed good business sense too. And we couldn't give the same amount of time that Matt gives to it, and we needed something to say, okay, how do we build up our audience to think biblically about business? And this goes right to what David Bonson was just talking about. I mean, and, and so that's why we were so grateful when he came on and, right. and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk about this. This is my world, and I'm going to apply a Christian worldview to this area because Bonson's right. I mean, who's out there, saying, like, kingdom-minded, saying, Christians, let's take the market? Um, and so... That's why we're so grateful for that. His, his, his stuff is helpful to us, too. That's, that's why we know you need it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and as we are, kind of our vision for the network was we, we didn't, um, Christians had abandoned so much of, like, the public square in all sorts of areas, not just politics. We, we wanted, we recognize the politic issue, but then, uh, you know, that's why we have Marcus on from Law and Profits. That's why we got Mark Dewey on with In the Bullpen. Uh, yep, yep, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and then, of course, uh, Glenn Sunshine, they're more on the academic side of, of what we're doing. Yep. Yeah, the yep. Theology Podcast, yep. 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 And, and of course, we need to keep our diversity going with the Puerto Rican A.D. Robles. I've been told that I'm much darker in person than I am on video. Are you adjusting your color in post? Is that what you're doing? I'm just wondering. Okay. No comment. <laughs> and then I remember uh, uh, approaching Tony, um, must have been a year and a half ago, around that time. Uh, I, I heard rumblings that you and Joseph were going to uh, start a podcast, and, and we liked what you guys were doing and your ministry out there and uh, wanted to, um, uh, you know. Something uh, manly. Wanted something manly and all this, and I called Tony um, Tony's got the mic. He's like, no, I'm not giving it to Joseph. You showed up late, no. Joseph. So he's, you know, he got the mic. And, and I called Tony. Tony's mowing his yard. And I said, hey, Tony, we're interested in, in you uh, and Joseph doing a podcast on our network. And I'd heard rumblings of the patriarchy already coming. And, uh, and, and Tony, uh, kid, you know, man, the dude started crying. No, I'm just wow. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about truth here. <laughs> No, I was mowing. Actually, I, I, it was crazy because I listened to you guys from almost the beginning. And I used to always listen to you guys when I mowed. And then, like, I, 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 you and I met about a year before that. And then he, it was a joke between me and Joseph that we were like, eh, we should make a podcast. Eh, we should make a podcast. And then eventually we started talking about the same things online. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should make a podcast. But delete then, your first five episodes. What? <laughs> delete delete your first the first five. Yeah. yeah, true story we didn't. Sorry. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, we ended up starting, we, we wanted to do it, and then, at the time, you had, what, like, about 30 people in your church? And then, I had just gotten fired from my job for calling feminism trash, yeah, big surprise. And, um... Me and Tony had a similar entrance into the podcast world. And then, he, yeah. and then, I'm just mowing my lawn, and all of a sudden, I get this message on Facebook from Gabe Wrench, and I'm like... And so, I, I click on the profile, because I'm like, this, this is trolling, because I don't know Gabe. <laughs> I only know Gabe from CrossPolitik, and he doesn't know me. How did he find me? And then, yeah, we called, and not long after that, I mean, you talk about the providence of God. I got fired from my job. We had no money to do this. We needed supplies, and we had some people that knew that we were going to do it, and they contacted us, and they said, when's the first episode going to come out? And I'm like, I don't know, probably not till the end of the year. We don't have money. 
15 minutes late, 15 minutes later, to the cent, we had everything in our bank account. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've and, heard that story. And then, then at that point, it was like, how are we going to build an audience? Two days later, I'm mowing my lawn. Guess who messages me? <laughs> Gabe Wrench from CrossPolitik. So then we ended up talking with you, and I, kind of the rest is history. That's great. And it couldn't have come at a better time. My wife had just lost her job at the hot dog factory for putting her hair in a bun. I'm going to keep this now. For more on that, listen to After the Sandwich. Uh, and then I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm probably getting some of this a little bit out of, out of order here. Uh, but we, uh, you know, we've known Keith, uh, Daryl for a long time. And, uh, can, I tell, can, I, can I tell the story how I met Keith? Yes. Yeah, please. I've, oh, that's right. I've told it on the show a few times, so forgive me if this is a repeat, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> I, I had recently been tricked by God into open-air preaching. Um, it wasn't something that I, I'd ever thought that I would actually do, but God tricked me, and that's another story. But I had gone out maybe twice or three times, you know, and managed not to die, um, mostly because of the fact that I didn't really want to be there. Um, and, uh, and my intern was out. Uh, he would set up a book table and coffee uh, for students while I would go out and preach in the square. And uh, he texted me excitedly and says, hey, there's another open-air preacher here today. And I think, oh, great. <laughs> you know, it's going to be this Turner Burn guy, and he's mad, and I don't know if I want to follow that. So I get out there, and Keith's going, and... I'm kind of picking up bits and pieces, and he's got a crowd that's gathered around him, and, and my, uh, my intern says, I told him you were coming. I think, oh, great. I'm thinking, maybe I'll just, I'll just let him have the day. I'll go home. That's what I want to do anyways. And uh, then Keith suddenly, all of a sudden, he looks over at me, and he goes, he waves me over, and I think, oh, great. So I walk over, and he looks over at me and says, i got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> You're on, take over. And he just and he just runs off and disappears. <laughs> and, and there I am, and there's a crowd looking at me. And I start preaching. <laughs> and, and if I remember correctly, one of my favorite parts of that, there's a guy, John, if yeah, I Yeah, it's actually it was all from God. I mean, talk about this. I mean, this is why we need open air preachers. Amen. This is why we need Amen. people who are stepping into the gap doing the crazy things that you think this will never work who do it in faith, who do it praying the whole time. Because I, I end there's this guy yelling at me, and I jump right in. And, and you guys were, I think, debating creationism or something like that. And I'm, I'm kind of answering the questions, and, he's, and he starts cussing me out, F-bombs and everything. You're just here because you hate us, you despise us, you're judging us. And I said, no, I, I'm a pastor, I live here in town, can I get your number, I'll take you out for a beer. And, you know, what's your name? And he, he just kind of stops and looks, and I'm like, what? So yeah, what's your name? Can I take you out for a beer? And, uh, yeah, my name's John. And okay. And it, you know, so we kind of finish up, and I go over and I get his number, and and we and we and I end up. Uh, he had to watch his kids that night, and so he, he called. I called him and I was going to meet him. He said, "I've got to watch my kids. You want to just come over to my house?" And I said, "Sure." And I come over to his house. He's got a little fire outside, and we have a beer, and we sit there. And I said, "So what's your story? You know, what, what's your background?" And he says, "Well, you know, I I grew up in the church and stuff, but I'm just tired of the hypocrisy, and I'm mad and everything." And I, and I said, well, I mean, what, I mean, 
what do you teach your kids? I mean, you know, you know do you teach them about Christian? You know, how do you deal with them? And he said, well, no, no, I mean, we, you know, we, we pray before meals sometimes. And I actually put my daughter in a Christian school this year. In town. And I'm like, and I said, what school? And so it's a school called Logos. <laughs> and, and I said, what class is your daughter in? Fourth grade. Who, who's her teacher? Mrs. Bradley. I said, my son is in your daughter's class at Logos. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Who set that story up? Right. And this, and this guy, John, like for the previous year and a half, would harangue me. Like it was, it was kind of like when I'd see him coming up, you're like, it's on now. And yeah. so he was always like full tilt, pedal to the metal, like wanted to get me. And yeah, the day after he used the restroom, Toby comes in and, and, and I think he came to a Bible study with you for about the next year or so, didn't he? He came to my small group for about a year and a half. Um, it, I, to my knowledge, he, he, he sort of warmed up for a while and then kind of got hard again. And so if you think of it, pray for John. His wife is a believer, um, and it's a rough spot. But, um, but that's, that's the kind of thing that happens when you hang out with Keith. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to say something else, too. Keith, you know, I've been around a lot of open-air preachers. And as we were building the network, one of the things that I was concerned about is, like, you know what? People do a really good job of preaching the gospel. And so, like, we kind of got that area covered really well. So as we're thinking about shows, where do we see the gospel and application in the world? How do we do that? So Keith was later an ad because I'm like, okay, we kind of got everything covered. Let's bring Keith in now. But Keith is very academic when he preaches, you know, and, and a lot of guys are out on the street and don't think through the philosophical positions that somebody else has or how to argue with them rightly. And Keith, man, he's just a wizard. And he'll sit there and engage them. And I'm like, you know what? I want him to be able to teach people how to do that without giving up their worldview. Because some guys will do that and give up their worldview at the same time. And being out there watching Keith and watching his videos, and he will not give up his worldview for one moment, but use all their tools against him. I'm like, you know, okay, let's, let's use that and teach our people how to do that as well as it comes to evangelism. Well, it's kind of funny how I got plugged into y'all's community. Um, I would do an evangelism conference with you guys for a couple years in a row. And then Toby, I'm getting driven back to the airport. It wasn't Toby, but another young man was like, hey, why don't you come under us? us and preach up here and then I was like sure that'd be great and I come up and I get there and they're like Toby's gone over to Christ Church and so I thought I was going up to Trinity because I heard you were coming yeah the the guy who invited it was his out so he used me as an out to go over to Christ Church and uh and so I got up there and yeah starting to become friendly in that community but I remember having breakfast with um Knox People were texting me today about David. I'm like, who's David? I only know him as Knox. So, so if, if you reference David, I don't know who he is. Um, and so we had breakfast at the Breakfast Club, yep. and you're like, what do you think about a podcast? Like, we'll give it a shot. And so, you know, a year and a half ago, I think it was about a year and a half ago, I did my first one, and I had a really crummy microphone, and I got tons of emails the first day. Your audio sucks. Your audio sucks. And, yeah, uh, I got those It might too. still suck. The content might suck now, but at least the audio problem is uh, hashed out. So. Yeah. And so um, uh, I want to get to AD here. Uh, me and Knox had kind of seen some of AD's videos kind of going around. And, and, and we, um, you know, we'd hit social justice, but we hadn't really. We ain't laying on it like he was. Yeah, we had <laughs> He was laying it on it. <laughs> and, and we knew it needed to be laying on or whatever you want to call it. Don't do that. Okay, all right. I tried. I got that. I tried. I, I tried. That. I'll take care of that. Uh, <laughs> mm. And uh, so we, we liked a lot of the content while AD was pulling out. But one of the things that we want on our network, that we wanted on our network, were people who weren't shy and weren't pulling punches. And this is an area 
that was, I think, really important that people need to punch in. And not just punch in, but even bring a little sarcastic element to it. Because, you know, evil needs to be made fun of. Absolutely. I, I, I was, I've been talking to a lot of you guys out there today. And, um, you know, w- one thing I hope comes clear in the content is that I think there's, there's maybe a, a small group of guys that I criticize that might be playing for the wrong team. But most of the guys that I criticize, I believe they're on the right team. And they've got, they've got reasons for what they, what they do and what they say. But if I think about my own, like my biological brother, I love him and, and he's for me and I'm for him. But I got to be able to say stuff to him if I think he's messing up. And, and he's got to be able to do that to me. And if we don't do that, the, the conflict's still there. It's just hidden under the surface. And eventually it's just going to explode and it's going to be ugly. And so I hope that kind of comes through in the content that, that you know, I, I want to be able to not pull punches. And I hope that you know, you think you can not pull punches with me and we can all go and, uh, and, and have a beard afterwards and, and talk it out. Yeah, yeah. I, <clears throat> I didn't think we were going to get AD. Y'all can clap. That's all right. Yeah. All right. That's all right. Yeah, when Gabe was like, what we do you think about... We all got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Gabe was like, what do you think about this guy? He's like, man, I've been watching this guy. He's like, I, I, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to get him, but I mean, you can try. But Gabe has this gift, man. All the interviews that we have on the show... It's because this brother has worked really hard to go after these guys. And whatever special gift he has, he gets the... Why would they come on our show? Like, I mean, he gets... Why would Jonathan Lehman... Did, why would he come on our show? And Gabe somehow gets people to come on... I don't know, the, but I told Gabe that he could have said just about anything. I, I would have said yes. We didn't I, know that. I think I told you that if, if I had handpicked a network to join, it would have been you guys. So you wow, guys do a great job. God, Thanks. Dude. Thanks, AD. Thank that's great. Yeah, kind of build off something you said about laughing at these things need to be laughed at. I always think of Psalm 2 and Yahweh sits in heaven and he laughs. And even when I'm preaching on ca- campus oftentimes, someone will object to me like the unbeliever comes up. And it's kind of funny because they, they, it's almost like they borrow our tactics because they're kind of like, no, what you need to do is not take this man seriously but laugh at him. And that's kind of their hope to dismiss me by merely laughing at it. And I do think we need an element where we're able to laugh at the nonsense of the social justice and stuff like that. Now, obviously, intellectually, we still need to deal with people and those realities. But, but you need that both-end element because even Yahweh himself sits in heaven and laughs at the raging nations, and we got to be able to do that. So. Well, well, there's serious issues. There's no question about it. And there's definitely a severity to them. Um, but at the same time, you know, we can be joyful, we can be cheerful, and I think that that's more attractive to people than someone who's just always severe all the time. And so we don't want to take away from the, from the seriousness of the issues, but we can have a good time while we're fighting as well. And you, most of you guys know about the Wednesday night uh, hymn sing or psalm sing that we did where Gabe was arrested, but we had another one two days later, and the utter, it was kind of funny because I show up and I was like, we got a band this time. I was, I was all excited. I'm running to the band, and the band's the other team who's basically bong, 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 and they're drowning out our singing and stuff like that. But one of the things, like, I honestly think if you're an objective outsider, and you kind of, it really was like there was a line drawn in the sand of our side, their side. And if you just looked at the eyes of our opponents, and then you looked at ours, like, we're all kind of joyous and happy. And they, like, they were miserable. And, like, yeah. even, yeah, they're flipping you off. And, and, like, I just remember a girl with, like, her, no offense if you have dyed hair. Um, but she had her dyed hair. She had her, like, mask covering her face. And just the eyes. And she was just so angry that, like, I, I think, you know, you may not agree with us on the mask thing sort of stuff. But it, you had to step back and be like, these people are happy these people are miserable. Right. And I think that should identify who we are as Christians going into the battle rather than That's us right. ourselves being miserable. As we have an election, everything else coming up, we can't be miserable people. Yeah. So. And, that, and the truth is that that sort of authenticity 
uh, is, is perfect. The laughter, the fighting, the laughter, the, the being a real person yeah. is only thing that works on social media. And we're seeing that with Big Eva right now. They're really struggling. They're really struggling. We'll post one tweet as a joke, and it gets more engagement than these million-dollar organizations. And that's a, pro- that's a problem for them, but it's all, I think it all has to do with the laughing part of Fight, Laugh, Feast. We can have fun. We can have a good time. We can engage, and it, and it jumps the gates of the gatekeepers in a way that they can't even fathom, and, and they won't be able to do it. They'll try. They'll, they'll make a, a tour of their library. <laughs> but it still comes off because it's not natural for these people to be unscripted or, or, or just be themselves. That, being themselves is not what they do naturally. I, I got to say something that is so true. When I was working on the Founders documentary, I got more flack almost off of the opening of the film where Tom Askell's just sitting there being real. And he's just saying, hey, man, we got, you know, they're just talking. I'm, I love it when they just talk because I'm filming. Yeah. I like, I'm filming. And people forget the and camera's people, on. Lots of people who got backed out forgot the camera was on. <laughs> I ain't going to say no names. But, but, but that moment of him being that real, it made a lot of Christians who are solid people say, I don't, I don't know if we should see him like that. But he's in the heat of battle. He's fighting. And he just got done losing on the floor <laughs> over Resolution 9. And so we'll show Resolution 9, but what does it look like for a man in battle to fight? And we don't show that. And watch it. So I got more flack over that than, than a lot of other things that happen inside of the film. Maybe this will be helpful to people because this is a problem that I have when I read the Bible. Like, I don't put flesh and blood on it. I've read these stories so much, and it's just almost like a, a mental exercise for me. But when you think about Paul confronting Peter... That was like a human interaction. That was probably pretty ugly. And there was emotion there. And it was just, it was just a, it was two people. You know what I mean? And, and, and so to see the, 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 um, the realness of that or the, the authenticity of that, like, we, we need to keep that. We, we, we're not robots. We're not, we're not Vulcans. Right. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, it was at a real church potluck. Right. <laughs> Presbyterian right. one? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Just making sure. academic side. Somebody's got to speak up for us. Um, the, the, um, the thing that I actually really enjoy about this is, you know, we get together, we sit in a pub, and we just talk. Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. We just talk. Yeah. And, and we, we, we put this out, and a lot of the academic stuff that comes out in Christianity is overly serious. It's overly self-conscious. It's overly... I don't know what, but plugging into this network is just, it's just been a really incredible experience. First of all, I didn't think there would be more than maybe a hundred people who'd be interested in what we do. Me um, and you both. You know, and, and then we plug in here and I don't know what the current downloads are, but it's way beyond anything I ever imagined. But I think the reason is because we're plugged in with a group of people who are militantly joyous. Mm. Amen. 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 And you guys are amazing. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'd say one of the reasons why I liked uh, the Theology Podcast 
was for one, it's just it's not my gift. I'm not academic. I can't uh, really. It's not my really. There's a joke there. That's not my lane. I know. No, I'm I'm being authentic. (laughs) We noticed. And uh, but like what you guys do, I think we we called it blue collar scholar. Um, yeah. What what you guys do is like you take this academic approach, but really make it blue collar, and that, I think that that's how it should be. I think um, PhDs have killed the church. I think if your pastor's got a PhD, mm, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, I've seen people. Uh, I'm serious. And oh, I know. If uh, I've seen. Uh, uh, men go off, they get their seminary degree, and then they go off there, get their PhD. And uh, it, it, to me, I, I haven't seen the good fruit there at all. Why is that, um, though? Because you end up imbibing kind of that, that humanistic academic, we got to be nuanced. Everything's a math equation. Yeah. You know, every, everything's an but, academic. But, but, I think it, but I think he's right. I think it gets, it, it gets nuanced to death. And, and then, and there's no, um, the cash out is like, we don't know. Like, like everything's nuanced, everything like, well, you know, it's a gray area. It, it yeah. takes wisdom in some vague sense. And because I think in many ways we, we've adopted, so when you go get a PhD or even like when I was in seminary, a lot of, we end up viewing knowledge as being socially constructed. So, so that's why there has to be a million levels of nuance to it. And so by the time you get a PhD and you want respectability, usually if you go get a PhD, you want respectability. And at the end of that, you, if you come out unrespectable or, by saying well, and, A, B, and C is wrong, you, you gotta, you gotta go back to the, the basics. What's well, the same with film school and the arts? People go to these film schools and they sit there and they learn theory of film. But it's like, but does that work in the in the real world? Right? You can be a pastor, you can get your PhD, but then you gotta go and counsel people through troubled marriages and stuff, and and people who are losing their jobs because they think homosexuality is a sin and all these other things. Well, that's you don't get that in in in, in edu- You don't get a passing grade. It's either pass or fail in that moment. Yeah. And in 2005, 2010... Just jump in, Glenn. I see you trying oh, to... Sorry, just, sorry. Right, I'll yeah. be real quick. 2005, 2010, <laughs> I lived in New York City. And in living in New York, the church was so self-conscious of who we were that they were like, you have to think about how you share the gospel with people. But I never had to go to work and think of how I was going to talk about football, talk about politics, talk about... The, but somehow when it came to the gospel, it was a special category that I had Ooh. a massage into the discussion. But nothing else preach, in my preach, life preach. that I have to contextualize like that. Mm-hmm. But suddenly, and, it, and it's almost like I had a tick because I was like, oh, I got, how, am I doing this right? Am I doing it right? Am I doing right, it right? right, right. And so you become so self-conscious, you're like... No offense if you have ticks, uh, but it's like it's like I had a tick. You know what I mean? You're like, oh no, I get twitchy. I'm going to bring up the gospel, and you get crazy nervous. But I never, my Browns suck, and I had no problem talking about my Cleveland Browns. And so, right, but, right. But, <laughs> thank Whoa. you, Browns fans. And you know. Can we get so. counseling for this guy <laughs> yeah, right here? You know. He I needs see, a counseling. I see that hand. I see that hand. <laughs> and wow. so, so the reality is. If you would treat the gospel in many ways that you treat your wife, uh, you, hopefully you speak well of her. And so when you speak of the gospel, it should be an outflow of who you are. And you're not sitting there going, how do I nuance this to this audience totally? And within that, obviously, there's a certain level of contextualization, but we overthink it and we become paralyzed in the process. The problem, as an academic... Amen, amen. I feel God right there. Yeah, as an academic, one of those guys with the PhDs. Um, really? The, 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 the problem is, the, the problem is that PhDs write for other PhDs. PhDs mm. speak for other PhDs. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is that when you do that, you don't communicate to anybody that doesn't have a PhD. Yes. And actually, I've been at some sessions of the American Historical Association where I don't think they were communicating with each other. <laughs> but, 
you know, the, the way I figure it, when I, when I write, I try to write for an intelligent layman. When I speak, I try to speak for an intelligent layman because I figure that if an intelligent layman can understand what I'm saying, an academic can probably follow me. <laughs> oh! <laughs> do, do you want to go to war? Because we could go to war. I'm for real. I'm for real. So, so this brings us uh, to Mark Dewey and in, in the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Um, when we started cross politic, we, we didn't want to get into the traditional sticks that most shows go. We didn't want to be, you know, the, the three ministries that Christians often support are apologetics, abortion ministry, and then some sort of ministry to the poor. And those are good. God bless them. Yep. Those are awesome. We need it. We need an abortion now. Absolutely. You know, we need we need parenthood ministry. We need all the all these things that are going on. We're we're all behind them. Um, I'm losing my voice. Wow. And and so, uh, but particularly the areas we wanted to go, where were all the areas that, that um, the church had abandoned? You know, uh, uh, I love Sports Center. I grew up. I played college basketball for two years at a junior college. Nothing really? to brag about. Oh, really? And, really? You did? And really, Sports Center would be on my TV every time I'd come home, and it just it just loop the whole night. You know, I love Sports Center. It's a great product. Um, you know, uh, basketball, and so and so we wanted to get into areas where Christians have kind of abandoned or not done a very good job at, and that's why uh, we wanted to get into sports, cooking shows, hunting shows, barbecue. Hungry, uh, you know all those all those areas, and so that when um uh, I think it was Mark Dewey who reached out to me. He emailed me. We were praying for this. We were. We, we were. We were praying for this. We were like we, the next show that we wanted to be a sports show. Yeah. We didn't know what it was. Baseball just wasn't my thing. No offense. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so, <laughs> and I remember Mark Dewey reaching out to us, and I was like, man, this is this is uh, we're we were so excited yeah. that like uh, some. You know, I didn't even know Mark's full story. I just knew he wanted to do a baseball podcast. He's at a church that we knew of and everything. And I didn't know much about your story. So um, why don't you just real quick tell a little bit about your story, and, and then we'll get into more of why baseball. My story generally or about contacting you? I, I want you to start back when you were the first guy, you know, resisting uh, the, the new LGBT world. And how you noticed. And how I did what? How, how you noticed what was going on. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this quickly. Uh, I'll start by saying I got myself in a bunch of trouble in 1996 in San Francisco. However, the backstory is that in 1995, uh, the Giants had an event that started, I think, in 92 or 93. I was not with them at the time. Started by a guy that I, I played from low A ball all the way to the big leagues with, Rod Beck, who's, who's deceased now, and his wife, called until there's a cure day, which was to seek a cure for AIDS. So in 1995, somebody from our PR department comes and he says, hey, will you, will you participate in this pregame event where you read a list of the names of people that died of AIDS? I said, sure. Well, I had a, a brother in Christ on the team. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I, I just think Christians have botched this. I'm just going to show that we have compassion for people with AIDS. Mm. So I go out, and this is, this is before, this is a, like there's maybe three to five of us that read this list of names. And I had 20 names on my list. And all of them, but two, were like Sally, Johnny, Bill, Susan. But I had two famous names. And the first name I read was Freddie Mercury Balsera. And the people in the stadium went ballistic. 
I thought, that's San Francisco. It's a rock and roll town. That makes some sense. I went down the list, and my second famous name was Arthur Ashe. And for those of you that are young, you may not have any idea who that is. If you're older, I'm sure you do. There was not a sound. So that coupled with seeing in the pregame ceremony, them promoting safe sex and these other things, I just said to myself, okay, if I'm still with the Giants next year, I'm not going to participate. Next year comes along, they come up and they ask me, I say, no, thank you, I don't want to do that this year, no big deal. I know I'm not going to participate, didn't think much of it. I come in the clubhouse that morning, and you come in about an hour before the game because of all these ceremonies, and as I walk in the clubhouse where my locker was, I could see my jersey, and it had the symbol for their, the, in total, there's a cure day. And I had not even considered that. And so now I've got about an hour to try to figure out what I'm going to do. Mm. And anyway, I changed it. I was hoping I wouldn't pitch. I was not trying to make a protest of anything. I just couldn't support this particular event. I got in the game and I faced one batter. And I got taken out of the game. Interestingly, I wasn't the only one who stood up. A left-handed reliever that I played with took his ribbon off entirely. He was not a Christian. He just said, they didn't ask me if I want to endorse this. He pitched to one batter. Both of us taken out. After the game, I see a reporter talking to Rod Beck, who was our closer, very good pitcher. And then I see him starting making his way toward me, and this is back in 1996. So he had his pad, and I could tell that he turned on his tape recorder underneath, underneath his pad. And he came over and he said, I noticed you weren't out on the field for the pregame ceremony when they make a ribbon. All the teams come out and they make a big ribbon. Well, first of all, it's not like they called anybody's name, right? You just went out there in mass, so they were looking for me. The backstory is, within a month before this event, KNBR, which is a huge radio station on the West Coast, had done an interview, which shocked me. The guy asked me, hey, I know you read a lot. What do you like to read? I said, well, my favorite book to read is the Bible, but I said I was reading some Spurgeon sermons. I'm thinking, that's the end of this interview. Well, he ends up having an old, whole interview, and I'm, I'm just talking about the Lord and everything else. I said, well, that's never going to get on the air, and it did. And then there was a major article, I think it was in the San Francisco Chronicle, about me being a believer. So basically, they were watching for this. So I ended up blowing up. People were demanding my head on a platter, demanding the Giants trade or release me, those kind of things, um, because I didn't participate in the event. Now, I will say this. At that time, I had both the Rutherford Institute and the Players Association call me and ask if I wanted police protection going back to San Francisco. Right after this game, we flew to Chicago and then Houston. And as we're coming back to San Francisco, I said, no, I, no, I don't need any protection. And I didn't. Nothing, nothing happened. People chirped from the stands, but there was no threat whatsoever. I grew up in West Michigan, which back when I was growing up, the Detroit Free Press labeled as Little Jerusalem. I would have serious, I would, I would probably have issues in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area today that I didn't have in San Francisco in 1996. And if I did that today and they said, do you want police protection? I would have been a fool to say no. That's how mm. rapidly it's changed. And that's why Mark Dewey's on the network. And, and yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, amen, yeah. amen. Yep, that's right. And I mean, you know, Mark's a good-looking dude, but man, he's got a voice for radio. I'm telling you. No, I mean, I love, I love listening to to your show. Um, one of the things is I kind of fought, fallen out of love of, of baseball over the years. I mean, I played baseball up to I was about 15. Loved the game, 
and uh, but then just kind of got away from it. But having you on our network, I mean, it really makes me like baseball all over again because seeing your love for the game and your take on it is just it's inspiring, man. It really is. Well, I was just thinking, you know, that uh, David Bonson was talking about his whole time in the punk rock scene or whatever, and it was really figured it's all about Darren Doan. I'm thinking it, it's not really about the podcast. I'm sanctifying you guys because you're starting to get back into or like baseball. So the Lord is using me to sanctify yeah. you. Yeah. I like that. I, I just want to point out that I, I never fell out of love with baseball, Mark. Even uh, though they're taking knees and holding black robes all the way. Oh, by by the way, I think we should take up a collection and get a cardboard cutout of Mark Dewey with a Fight Laugh t-shirt and put it behind the home plate during the World Series. Yeah. In, in Arlington, Texas. In Arlington, Texas. <laughs> That's fantastic. If, if you haven't listened to his show, you need to. But the guy was doing, I mean, he opens, we release him, and of all years... It's right. 2020. Of all years, when opening day doesn't happen for two months, three, yeah. Um, and the guy is putting out shows, talking about the game, interviewing guys like Dusty, Dusty Baker, Dusty Baker, and that dude's oh, he's OG, and others. And the guy has plenty to talk about, and he's bringing a Christian worldview to the to the to the scene. But he's talking about baseball, real baseball with a love, with depth, and the season hasn't even started. Yeah. Mm. It's brilliant. Yeah. And I got to speak to him briefly beforehand as the first we met, and he was correcting every stat I had. I was like, oh, yeah, because Lenny Dice. He's like, no, 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 he did this. And so he knows he's an encyclopedia of baseball knowledge. So <laughs> Maybe at one time. The mind is not what it used to be. <laughs> when, uh, when Mark came on, one of the things that I – I want to talk about is that we're trying to turn the corner where right now, you know, what God has done with what we have here has been amazing. And now it's like, how do we, how do we encroach upon football next? You know, how do we get basketball? Because I think people still love the sport, but they're having a hard time enjoying the sport with the way that it's being treated. And I think there's a huge opportunity for Christians to come in right now. When I listen to in the bullpen, there is nostalgia that I forgot about because of the way that they've been treating baseball lately. And it's like, oh, wow, this is, this is good stuff. This is man stuff, you know? And they've forgotten about all that because of the, what's happening right now, trying to put a little incense on the altar. And so there's a great opportunity for Christians to remind, hey, guys, freedom creates sports. Freedom creates camaraderie. Freedom creates these things. The lack of freedom takes all that stuff away. And so Mark was coming to the network, starting to move that way. Next, I know y'all want some cooking shows. Some barbecue shows. That's but it's coming. It's coming. it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Anyway, I'm talking, you got to talk about these guys next. Okay, the patriarchy. Yeah, well, you got to talk about the man about, show. We talked about them a little bit, but um, uh, when we approached Tony back in the day, one of the reasons why we wanted to bring them on is because of uh, you look at go back. I mean, this goes back, but like Mark Driscoll's ministry, some of these old, you know, yeah. young restless reformers. And their big emphasis, and rightly so, is, is emphasizing the ministry to men because the men need a lot of fixing these days. And, um, and of course, this is not to um, you know, leave women aside, but one of the things that I think we've seen... But, through- but, not to put women aside, but... 
laughs. That was funny. But okay. hey, you watch it. Yeah. You go stand in a circle somewhere, man. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say it. And and uh, given the context, our pastor, Pastor Doug, has been preaching through. Uh, the last three sermons have been on basically um, preaching to singles. And one of the things that he's been teaching us and, and talking about is that our culture hates men. Our culture discourages true biblical masculinity. You know, forget all the, forget all the, the wrong macho masculinity, the sinful kind of, of machoism, um, but our culture really does dislike, discourage uh, our men. And then we come around and we wonder why our men don't want to take initiative, why are men don't want to lead, because at every step of the way, we're, um, we're discouraging that or attacking it. So for a man to step out at his job, a man to lead his wife, a man to lead his family, uh, all that is, is just ta- attacked on every corner. The macho corner, you know, the, the leadership corner, doesn't matter. And so uh, I love the, the cheerful joyfulness of the patriarchy and how you guys handle things and how you guys even kind of, you know, um, uh, lightly uh, take take some joy and light and lightheadedness in how you handle the discussion around patriarchy and what's going on, Joseph. Yeah, uh, the world hates men and it hates women, but it hates men and fathers because it hates the father. Mm. And and men are meant to represent. That's right. The father. Amen. Amen. And and a lot of the issues that we face, like abortion, is because. Uh, uh, both men and women are not doing what God created them to do. You know, God made you to be a man or he made you to be a woman. That's it. There's no other sex. He made you to be that. And as Christians, we live out our faith as what we have been made. We're not androgynous. We're not ethereal beings. We are men or women. And so it's been our heart to actually, by uh, encouraging men to be men, actually also encouraging women to be women. And so we think that if, if fathers will, will love their wives as Christ loves the church, as if fathers will discipline their sons, then we will see abortion end and we will see the woke stuff go away because that only exists in a world where men are not men. Amen. One thing that, one thing I think I was surprised at at first, but then quickly was not. Actually, my wife explained it to me. Yes, I do listen to my wife sometimes. Um, is we found out like a third of our fans are women. Really? Yeah, yeah. And so they like they like making sandwiches. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Okay. All right, sis. All right, sis. Keep it real. Keep it real. So, right. and probably better than a grilled cheese from here, isn't it? Dude, they're not going to invite us back. <laughs> but I, I, I noticed, I was looking at stats and everything, because I do most of our, our media stuff, and I said to my wife, you realize like a third of our fans are women? And she goes, yeah, that makes sense. And I went, why? She goes, well, because Christian women want Christian men. Like, they want men. They don't want boys. They want men. And so are you guys working on, like, the patriarchy, you know, uh, meet and greet? Is that, what, is that what you're trying to do or something? You know, some sort of... Patriarchy mingles or... Tell them, tell them about... Uh, we have an episode... Okay. You two stand up. 
Yeah, these. Who's you two? All right. <laughs> so they're first here, married couple. <laughs> the, you know. Now here's the deal. All right. So we had a we have an episode called Get Married, and and this is not the first time we've heard this, but they came up uh, earlier, and and I, I realized nobody actually knows what I look like until now because if you follow me online, I, I just have a cartoon character as me. So this is what I actually look like, and I look I look like a cartoon character. Yes, um, you do. But they came up and they're asking about a shirt I was wearing, and then they ended up telling me the story um, that she sent him. Our episode of Get Married. Yeah, she's all embarrassed. I'm going to embarrass you now. Yeah. And uh, so she sent him our episode, Get Married. And, uh, well, they got married. And, uh, but she, and she... Our next episode is called Make Babies. And then Baptize Them. So... Go baptize your kids if you have children. What's That's up? the third episode is Baptize Your Children. Yes. Uh, so we, and we've had, we've had so many stories like this. It's crazy. Like one of the things that I don't think you and I ever, I mean, maybe we imagine maybe one day it'd get her bigger, but we got, we went from really not being known. And then, and this is all because of the network, um, to finding out like not long, actually, Matt, you were the one, I don't know how many months and months and months ago I was like, yeah, we're, we're getting pretty good at downloads. And you were like, no, you're getting like eight, 9,000 a week. And I was like. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. And that's per show, because you do one show a week. Right. Right, yeah. So that's huge, you. yeah. I mean, sometimes people do multiple shows, and so that balances out. But to do one show, it's that many downloads per show. And so, we, I mean, we had all sorts of other episodes. We had, uh, I remember we had a, a guy email us or message us or something, and you end up talking to him for like 50-something minutes on the phone. Um, I mean, we, I've had conversations already tonight and stuff. And, and one of the things we were talking about with, you know, evangelicalism, nuancing everything to death. We found one of the things that it's actually kind of easy to talk to men who want to be men. Because, like, instead of going through and being like, well, you should be kind and all these things. You know, if you're just like, no, Jesus is king, period. Mm. And then everybody's like, yeah. And they want to hear that. And men want to hear that. And so we've, we found those kind of statements and then talking about that has made a big difference in, in men's lives. And I, I think our lives, too. The guys we interview, I, I learned from constantly. Like Glenn, Je- you were Jesus on. is king, but you should be kind, too. Right? Well, yes. <laughs> Obviously. I'm not going to nuance it to death, A.D. <laughs> Glenn. You know, we did an interview with a woman named Moira Grayland Pete. Uh, she's the daughter of Marion Zimmer Bradley, science, famous science fiction author, and she came from a background of just horrendous levels of abuse. And I don't think it was on that particular episode, but one of the things that she was talking about, you know, she's in a, she comes from a world of science fiction authors. She's in that universe, and she understands story. And she said that, you know, the reason why so many stories these days fail is because, because of feminism, Women believe they have to be men, and nobody wants a story with a woman who's really a man. And over and over again, you're seeing this in all the science fiction things and fantasies and all these kinds of things. And she says, what people want are stories about men who are men and women who are women, because this is what resonates. This is what touches the heart. This is what reality is. Mm. It's beautiful. Amen. Amen. That's great. Uh, wait, is this a good time to talk about next year? Yes. Yes, we should. We're wearing a t-shirt because Gabe is not subtle. 
advertising next year's conference here in Franklin. Yep, yep that's right, that's right. And you know, one, one of the things that we're um, I'm tired of the theme, like, the theme of the conference liberal is, cities. The theme of the conference is men are men and women are women. No, the theme of the conference is politics of sex. Men are men and women are women. <laughs> politics of sex. Why, why is that the theme, Gabe? You, Toby came up with it. <laughs> because, because it's the best story in the whole world. Right? The gospel is the story of the best man, the only good man, coming to save his bride, the church. Amen. 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 That's right. That's right. And, you know, one of the reasons, um, as Lord willing, as he blesses what we're trying to do here, you know, we wanted to uh, offer and start a conference that's not your typical conference. And um, in one sense, I've gone to a lot of, I've gone, <laughs> has this been your typical conference? <laughs> As you know, a lot of the conferences you go to, be, the theme will be on holiness or worship. And which are good things. Uh, which are good things. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> really, really good things. Oh my goodness. I think, um, the, I think the thing that makes our conference the most unique thing is that Gabe leads it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually. I think the thing that makes the conference the most unique is the fact that they give us scotch before we come on stage. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, That's I real. think it's the audience and the people That's who real. come. This wasn't watered down scotch either. No ice. And, and so we wanted to do a conference because, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, you should be getting your doctrine of holiness from your pastor, your, Amen. your worldview of worship from your pastor and being discipled from your elders and pastors on a lot of these issues. And you should, typically, you go to a conference because you want to be energized, encouraged, and you want subject matter experts to be talking to you about, about your world, what's going on, and how you should be thinking about it. Yeah. And, and so we want, um, I've talked to a number of people here uh, about our conference already, and one of the gentlemen came up to me and said basically this, this same thing. And he said, I go and I, listen, I hear this conference on you know, holiness or doctrine of justification, and I, and I like it, I like the theology, but I don't know how it gets in off my fingertips. I don't know how it gets onto the pavement and out into the world. Right. And, and because I think the church has been kind of a little intimidated or scared to take the Bible and apply it to our everyday lives and apply it to uh, our, our, the concrete in front of us. And, and because if you do that, that means you're declaring the Word of God in a context that hates you. But if you keep the word of God up here in the sky, well, the word, the world, they got you. Checkmate. Yeah. You know, that, that, that your, your God, your word, your doctrine means nothing because it's staying up there. Yeah. It's not coming down here on, onto the ground, onto the pavement and engaging in a real way in, in, in society. So that is what we're trying to do. That's the vision. That's why we're picking on politics of sex. That's why we aren't doing a conference on worship. God bless that subject. That's why we're, you know, we want to uh, drink beer and drink wine and fellowship and eat food all to the glory of God because that's where theology matters. That's where theology meets. That's where theology becomes real and between us in community living with one another. And that's why it's potent in what we're doing. And I think even one of the, one of the key elements, I didn't, like you look at the last 150 years in the West from 
Darwin on to today, there was basically an attack on creation, and now here we are having a politics of sex, because what's the end result of a creation was male and female, and now that's been totally undermined and destroyed. And we did a series up at uh, Moscow Ministries, up in the college ministry, called Racist, Sexist, Anti-Gay. And one of the things that stood out as we were prepping for that was the early church was persecuted for being like incestuous, uh, for being cannibals, and for being atheists, actually. And so they weren't persecuted because they believed in a holy God. They weren't even or they weren't being persecuted because they believed that some Jew was crucified on a cross, but it was the implication, as you were saying, how it came out of their fingertips, that they were in utter opposition to the Roman Empire. And as we stand here against democracy, we're going to be on the brunt end of their force. They're, they're not going to like the idea that we're standing out against them saying, no, the demos isn't Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord. So I'm, I'm glad we're addressing this because this is the tail end of 150 years of the deconstruction of creation. Like if you, from abortion, like what are women to do? Be fruitful, multiply. What do we do? We kill our children. You know what I mean? And right. so we're utterly confused on the real basics. And so I'm glad we're doing a conference like this because it is one of those things that like suddenly gets messy. And then you yeah. need to start defining things and pushing back. And that's when people begin to get upset. If we, if we have to demonstrate our faith by our works, then we need to have strategies and tools to know how to demonstrate that faith when we walk in on Monday and HR comes to us to sign a document that we love LGBT and everything they stand for. Woo! Preach, so, preach. So, so we need to actually take the spiritual things and like you said, Gabe, bring it to the ground level, hit the pavement with it. Um, and I, honestly, I, I don't know another group of guys that's equipping people to do that better. Go ahead, Glenn. Jump in there. Something someone pointed out to me, the level of this battle that we're in, consider the phrase, this is my body. It can be used in two contexts, the Eucharist or to support abortion. Mm. Mm. And you look at um, the argument that's being used for abortion, this is my body, my body, my choice. And all those same people are allowing the government to put a band-aid on their face put a cloth on their face right now. Whatever happened to my body, my choice? We call, we call them burkas. Ma Marxist burkas. That was Matt. Coined, coined by Matt. Matt Williams, <laughs> man. You came to the rescue. And so... Yeah, you want, as you're open, you know, you're about to do Q&A. We're going to allow, allow some time for Q&A. We got about uh, probably enough questions for about, we probably got enough for about three questions. Okay, I just want to talk about Marcus Pittman real quick. Okay. So. No, that's right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> then we might have enough Marcus. left for two got, questions. Got, he got, knows me really well. I, I know Marcus very well. And, and Marcus Pittman has been one of the few people out there who has been saying, guys, we can charge the enemy's camp. He has been one of the few people out there who's like, I remember when Marcus got on the internet and started tweeting, I could not understand for the life of me why anybody was giving this guy time of day. <laughs> I did not understand how he was getting under people's skin. I didn't understand it. And he just understood in a lot of ways some things that Trump understands about how to use social media. And, and so I, a lot of Marcus, when we, I, when I met Marcus, he, I hired him when I was working at Wretched and he, yeah, yeah. We, we fired him, too. We fired him. Got fired. And Best that, thing that ever happened. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And Marcus said, you know what, man? I'm going to work for three weeks. After <laughs> I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> That's how God builds things. That's exactly it's right. Just... And, and you, but you, weren't, you didn't flinch one moment. You said, hey, man, I'm working on a media company. And I remember thinking to myself, like, you just got fired because you, you weren't good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly that's what I was thinking. Yeah. You weren't good. <laughs> then he's like, fired real quick. He's like, I'm going to call this thing called Crown Rights. And I was like, what's that? He's like, for the Crown Rights of Jesus Christ. I was like, oh, 
oh, I like this. And out of nowhere, I was like, I, I want to be a part of this. How do we build this? And I'm like, I'm doing what they do. <laughs> he just started something. I want to be a part of it. A guy who just got fired. And <laughs> but it was from that and from developing that that all of a sudden we started making videos and connecting with guys that we never thought we would connect with, like Darren Doan. Uncle Gary. And Uncle Gary. And Darren Doan connected us to Uncle Gary. He's like, you guys are in Georgia doing stuff. You need to connect yourself to Uncle Gary. I was still in a dispensational mindset kind of coming out. And Uncle Gary rocked my world. And we started doing videos with him. And that opened. And some of those videos. Yeah. I watched those videos a long time ago. They changed my perspective. Before Just, I knew any of you guys. Yeah. And, and wow. you know, you're sitting there broke. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, we're not, making, we were making softbox lights out of Rubbermaid containers and shower curtains, and we're like, we're going to sell these on Craigslist. <laughs> okay, you could have kept that part. Uh, <laughs> they didn't even know glad, all but that. Amazing, but we though. had them. You know, we had them, and we were like, well, uh, I think it was Cy. If Cy Timbergenkate was coming, I was like, we got to interview this guy named Cy Timbergenkate and listen to this debate he just did with somebody, and he just crushed this atheist in a way we've never seen before. And we were like, well, how do we interview him? And we are like, well, let's just take a couch, put it outside, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and put up these softbox lights we made, and that became Edified. That's what you saw that uh, got you it's into everything. It's just like everything. a two-minute video, and I remember being mad after I watched it. I was like, why, why has nobody told me this before? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah me too. And, and literally, literally from that moment, from that moment came... You know, you went to go work with Darren and then got to Moscow and then I went to Apologia. Yep. And so it all came from this. The Bible says never despise a day of small beginnings. Yeah. We were doing YouTube videos. Nobody did. We were doing short form YouTube yep. videos. Yep. Nobody did anything like that. People thought we were crazy like YouTube. This was in what, 11 or 12? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And it was just getting started. I'm like, we got, that's where we got to go. That's where we got to go. And we never really made any money from that stuff. Nope. We never did. We never made anything from that stuff. But look at what has been built between apology and cross politic and us coming together. God, God is uh, building. Uh, he's the, the liberalism is falling apart around us. Yeah. And one thing I've found at this conference is pe there's people in this conference that are positioned. Yeah. The people in this audience that have jobs and skills and abilities that that once everything falls apart, we're going to be okay. Mm. Like we're <laughs> everything is ready to go, and I think Amen. I think there's going to be a time, and I think it's happening here. I've I've never had more conversations about uh, about. I think that's what makes this this conference so dangerous. Is it's a lot of laymen mm. and a lot of really talented laymen, and uh, and church ministry conferences are great, but sometimes it's just good to talk with the guys that are in the coal mines. And see, how are you guys going to use that coal for the glory of Jesus? And like you see that here, and it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. That's right. So. And, and, and what you're talking about, what you're talking about is reformation without asking permission. Amen. That's right. Preach that one. Come on right? now. That's right. We're, what, we, what we want is the courage of Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan did not ask for permission to fight those Philistines. He said, he said, you with me? And the, and the armor bearer said, I'm with you. And he says, hey, look, there's a bunch of Philistines. They need killing. Mm. Right? There's idols. They need toppling. Let's go. Mm. And, you know, we're going to jump over. We're going to charge towards them. And if they say, come on up over here, guys, then we know the Lord's with us. Mm. Um, two come guys, and they chase a whole 
legion of Philistines. Mm. Right? Come on, Pastor. Don't play with them now. Woo! Reformation without asking permission. Man. You don't need to ask anyone's permission to take the Lordship of Jesus Christ wherever you live. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Woo! I feel like having some church up in here. Y'all better lift y'all hands and give God some prayer. Oh. Pastor, you do it every time to me. Woo! My goodness. Y'all should hear what happens when he don't have the mic on. We just be talking. All right, we have time for questions. I no, we don't anymore. Okay. <laughs> uh, any, any, any closing thoughts yeah, from any I you got, guys? Uh, yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this down. Yeah, you are. Um, y'all, Gabe has worked his butt off. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you. Real, real quick, two weeks ago, I was in the cross-politic office, and Gabe was on the phone. He's like, I don't think we can hold it in Nashville. I'm calling people in Franklin. And within, what, two weeks, I guess? Like, seriously, to move with entire, all of this 30 miles south or whatever it is, like, it, it was amazing to see him on the phone trying to get everything done, it's, it's nothing short of impressive. Vote for game. <laughs> Vote for game. that's right. <laughs> Vote for game. Did y'all know he's running for county commissioner? <laughs> really? Um, lastly, thank you. Uh, in all seriousness, it is a huge blessing to us to have you all be here with us. We are so grateful. We are so thankful. And we believe that God is doing something big and part of that is, if you, if you didn't catch Gary's talk earlier, I would, I would encourage you, if you're, you're sort of trying, you know, I know we were coming in for lunch and we we're tired and everything else, and he was telling the story, but Gary's jumping up and down. Uncle Gary's jumping yeah. up and down on something that's so huge and so important that we are standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Right? And, and he and, and Doug and David Bonson and, and Bill Garraway and other people in this room mm. uh, have, have been working behind the scenes for decades, yeah. trying to get the church to wake up, yeah. writing books that five people maybe read, and now they're going, they're going off the shelves faster than they can go get them mm. from, the, from you know, their inventory centers. Praise Gary God. told me he had to go back and get more because y'all are buying it. Um, and and that's, they're, they're looking around wide-eyed saying, oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? Uh, and the the truth is, is that we don't have any clue what's going on. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> God, God knows what's going on, but he is good. Amen. And he's been piling up blessings for us. And we're standing on a mountain of blessings. And we have enormous wealth. And he's blessing us with momentum and courage and lots of joy. And nothing can stop that. And so thank you for being here. Thank you for wow. believing God and being faithful in your church and in your family. And you tell them the rest. Y'all know what time it is. If you're single, 
get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them until next conference. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight. Laugh. And peace. This is Cross Politics. When a medical need arises, hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation care for one another by sharing financially for those medical needs. Samaritan members pray and reflect God's love and care by providing for one another. While times continue to change, God's love doesn't. He cares for us as we are called to care for one another. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations, we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information.